Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Open Conversations. So on today's episode, it's a special one. Um, so this one is featuring my dad. So this is a Father's Day recording, a very special episode. So basically, my dad is just going to be talking about his life and how he grew up and what he went through through school, um, his career, um, eventually meeting my mom and what he's been doing lately. So it's a very interesting episode. Um, I learned some new things, to be honest. But yeah, I think it's going to be one of those special episodes I think you love. It's kind of inspirational listening to my dad talk about his life story and how he came up um, growing up from the north side and then eventually coming down to the city and then starting his career and meeting his wife, who is my mom, and then just kind of growing, going up in the ranks to eventually do something really big. So yeah, um, I think you love this. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, so uh, the first one is that I want to know um, how you grew up, your family, like where you were born, and your father and your mother. Yeah, my... My parents, Ignatius, Kunira, and Sylvia. Uh, my father and mother did not go to school. They were actually peasant farmers in the village. And uh, my father was one time a catechist in the Catholic Church. And my mother was a willing supporting her. I am the fifth of nine children, surviving children. Uh, we have four boys, uh, in fact, five boys. I am the fifth in between. Uh, to me, ahead are four, and behind me are four, so I'm actually in the middle. So, where I was born, I was born in uh, Nandom, um, and uh, when I was born, I was told eventually I was exceedingly quiet, quiet, uh, when most of my colleagues and other siblings are playing out. I will just be in the house alone. Well, as time grew on, going to school, the school was about, let's say, two miles from our home. We used to go on foot, barefooted, because we didn't have any even Chaliwate, so we used to go barefooted. Incidentally, we were not the only ones who were going barefooted, so we didn't feel particularly deprived. It was a normal thing. In the mornings, particularly in the rainy season, my father was exceptionally hardworking on his farm because he had no other source of income apart from selling farm produce to pay our school fees 
so he was exceedingly uh, hardworking. He had some sheep and some goods which he sold from time to time. So in the uh, rainy season, since everybody had to pen his or her animals, we will go and tie the goats out to eat, to feed, before we go to school. Sometimes in the morning, we used to wake up very early to support Ulman on the farm before going to school. But it didn't disrupt our going to school. So we went to this school at the Co. I went to the A stream, St. Peter's Primary. We had two streams, B stream and A stream. The B stream was, uh, was basically for the girls, and the A stream was for the boys. You know the Catholic tradition. Um, I'm not sure I was particularly brilliant, but I wasn't also a deaf. I think I was average, at least at that age. So, with a Catholic background, I wasn't a regular mass server in the church, but once a while we used to serve mass, which was then set in Latin. So we learned it all, the mass and everything in Latin, but we didn't even understand what they meant. <laughs> but we followed it. So up to class six, we had the opportunity to write the St. Francis Xavier minor seminary exams. Normally, they took people from uh, class six. You go to what they used to call prep, that is preparatory, one year preparatory, before you then enter the mainstream seminary school. So, uh, I was lucky to have passed that exam. And indeed, there was some Catholic festival at the co-parish where we used to worship. I had taken the sheep and whatnot to the bush to, to, uh, to feed them. Then somebody came running looking for me. Some important priest wanted to see me at co there was this Canadian priest called Father Desert. He was smallish, but very active. Mm -hmm. And he was very well known to Monsignor Albert. And true that he wanted to help some of us. I went to Xavier. Um, the first year, as usual, was very tough. And some of us are not particularly brilliant in learning languages. And Latin was one of the subjects taught at Xavier by one German priest called Father Germain. So the going wasn't very easy for me. But for some strange reason, the, I won't go further than that, the rector of the school 
but a soldier you know, didn't like me. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I said for some strange reason. Uh, so at the end of the first year, he didn't, it, it seems, he didn't like uh, children from the Nandom area. He wasn't from there. And that affected some of us. So at the end of the year, he said some of us cannot continue. That because we're not pulling our weight. We were 35 in the class. And I was 25th or 26th, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yet he decided to retain people who were behind me. So my spirit was really down. I know the embarrassment in a local environment that you are going to Sunday school and then you are coming back to join your mates in the middle school. So I didn't like, in fact, I didn't like to go to school again. But my father used to go to church every morning. So when he is returning home, he sees us going to school. But when I reach the the mission, I go in and sit in the church, whilst all others have gone to school. Mm -hmm. So one day, and I'll make sure that going home, I'll reach home at the time all the others who went to school will reach home. Okay. So one day somebody told him that he should watch this his son, he's not going to the school. My father couldn't believe it because every day he sees me going to school with my colleagues and I return home with them. them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think at that stage I actually needed counseling because he confronted me and I admitted and I told him, I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. So middle school from one, so the next year, we had the opportunity to write the then common entrance to go to public secondary school. Mm-hmm. I really passed the exam, and I had chosen the then Ghana secondary school at Tamale. Okay. Well, I didn't want to have anything to do with Catholic. Okay. So... But when the, I got the admission letter and I went home, I didn't show it to my parents. Why? I just, I, I was thinking about what to do. Then one day, I don't know whether it was my father or my mother, they were so angry with me about something I didn't do well. They say even common entrance I cannot pass and whatnot. I was sitting on top of the roof of the house. So I got angry, went to my room, I picked the letter. You say, I cannot pass, come and try. Here is my letter. <laughs> okay. By then, Nandam Sek was starting. Another Catholic school. And I didn't want to go to a Catholic school again because of my first experience. So my father discussed with Monsignor Albert, who was by then a priest. 
So he went to the Dutch brothers who were responsible for the school mm. and told them that this my brother, this is his problem. At least he has passed the common entrance, so it means he has qualified to go to a Sunday school, whether they could admit me. I think it was a successful negotiation, and I was asked to go to Nandom Sunday School instead of going to Ghana Sunday School all the way in Tamale. In Tamale. So that's how I started my Sunday School at Nandom. Because it was a, a new school, I know the Catholic Church, everything was to perfection, everything was neat, very nice. They used to give us the first time I, 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 I wore sandals, but then they were calling it Achimota sandals. Mm -hmm. It was very popular in the country. And they supplied us for free. They used to give us the uniform for classes and then white, white, white shorts and white shirt to be worn to church on Sunday. Mm. That time, even though the school was there, they didn't have uh, church facilities. So we used to go to Nandom, now the mini basilica, to attend uh, church. church service. And after that, because very young, we will go to town to show that we are the then secondarians, you know, you are a Sunday school chap, so secondarians. We used to go and drink petrol and whatnot. It was all exciting at the beginning. We went through, but I could see as we progressed uh, through the, you know, it was a five-year program. I improved upon my academic uh, performance mm -hmm. as the years went by until form five we didn't have electricity there were generators but they would put it on for yes one hour two hours and since we were in form five we had our own lanterns which we used to go and study and i think that's where i started having problems with my sight you know, mm. studying in the classroom with lantern, which is not bright enough. As we went on, I was sure I would make it. Yes. Because mock exams and all those things, I taught in uh, English and Bible knowledge. That's how they used to call it, Nikki. <laughs> then, when the results came out, even though I did quite well, I was disappointed. Rather, people who were not very good in English got the ones and twos. I got a three in English. Three. which was still a credit anyway. Mm -hmm. And BK, again, I got a three. But history, I got a one. Geography, I got a one. My mathematics was not very good. Mm -hmm. But I did general science and what they used to call additional general science. Therefore, I could become a science student even in sixth form. Uh -huh, okay. Um... 
Then we had decided that, okay, I have dropped my hatred for the church by then. <laughs> and I decided that I would go to a, a Catholic sixth form. Mm-hmm. Nandam didn't have a sixth form. The sixth form at that time were at Navasco, Navungo Sunday School, Tamale Sunday School. I don't even remember that uh, whether Ghana Sunday School had a sixth form. But since I was determined to go to a Catholic sixth form because they used to perform very well, mm-hmm. so I decided to go to St. John's School at Secondly. Uh, no, secondly is a town separate from mm. uh, When I got there, I was very new in the environment, very, very new. I didn't speak Fanti. Fortunately, one Reverend brother from Nandom Sec was in this form there, brother Luke. So we're a bit comfortable with him, but we had two boys from Notre Dame, from Navrongo, which was also a minor seminary uh, in their class. That is, one of them is this Navrongo MP and Minister for Aviation, Joe Ada. And then another one who used to work with Shell. There was Father Camilo Bonsuri. He became a, a Catholic priest after university. So it was a hustle. Why was it a hustle? Because the subjects that I was doing were virtually new. I didn't do them at whole level. These were, I read government in this form which wasn't one of the subjects offered at Nandom Sek. Mm. So it was new. I read economics at Sisfor, a subject which was not taught at Nandom Sek. Then I read geography, which I read, which I had in Nandom Sek. But at Nandom Sek, we didn't know Western Europe. But in the Sisfor, we're doing North America. So it means all the three subjects were virtually new. I had to work extra hard because most of them had done these things. They had a foundation at the senior uh, level, not at the system. Mm-hmm. But I, I, in the economics class, the teacher asked everybody, "You, what did you get in, at O level?" Then they will say one. Almost everybody one. The worst was a two. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they came to me, what did you get at O level? I said, I didn't read it at O level. And the class laughed. (laughs) So I felt that it was a challenge to me. Now, they gave us an exercise after two weeks. When we presented our scripts for marking, the interesting thing is that my script was the best in the class because they all reproduced O-level stuff. Oh, okay. so and I went straight to my A-level. 
So that encouraged me a lot. Government, our teacher was very, very good. Geography wasn't bad. So that's how I got encouraged. And as, since I didn't know the environment very well, I wasn't a truant running to town or something. Moreover, I simply did not have the money to go to town and do what? But we're on a scholarship called uh, Scholarship for Students of Northern Extraction. That was the heading of the, the, uh, the scholarship. So they paid our school fees, feeding, and even we could buy books from the bookshop and they, they would charge it against our scholarship. Okay. So we struggled like that. And I remember any time I was going from Kumasi, I used to go and stay with uh, Archbishop Emeritus uh, Sapo. I used to stay with him. And then the next day or next two days, I take the train. We used to go by train from Kumasi to Sekindi. And when going back, we take the train to Kumasi. And what year was this? Uh, that was uh, two, uh, 1974. 1974 and 1975. At school, as I said, I kept improving as we went on. I was also interested in sports even though I wasn't exceptionally brilliant, but I represented the school. I used to do long jump, high jump, and throw the javelin for the school. Mm -hmm. So we used to do inter-schools, and I used to represent my school. In random set years, I used to play volleyball and table tennis for the school. Yeah. So after A-levels, I came to Accra to stay with uh, Uncle Peter, mm -hmm. who was then working in Accra here mm -hmm. with the Department of Parks and Gardens. <laughs> so uh, the results took some time to come out. And one day he told me, OK, he had a motorbike called Kawasaki, the, the mm, Kawasaki motorbike. So he picked me and we went to in Sawam. I think that place is St. Martin's or something. It's a, it was a school. Where, when I entered, I saw the man who sacked me from Xavier. Father <laughs> <laughs> <I> Soviet. <laughs> so they started asking me, so. Uh, in fact, no, that was after O-level, not A-level. So what do I want to do? Then I said, okay, I'm thinking of going to a teacher training college or going to Sysmo. Mm. Then Father Sonia John jumped in and said, I will advise you to go to the teacher training college because after the teacher training college, you still have the opportunity of going to the university. Uh -huh. That was where I took my decision. 
I said, I have decided I will go to the system. So you didn't go to the teaching? So I didn't. I was supposed to have gone to St. Louis Teacher Training College in Kumasi. So that decided that. So after sixth form, I still kept in touch with uh, Archbishop Emeritus Sapo, who was then the chairman of the University Council of Tech, Kumasi. So one day I went to see him, and he said, oh, what would I want to do at the university? That time we didn't clearly understand the nature of the various professions that were offered. Uh-huh. So we're always thinking about those areas that were very popular with students. They said land deco, that's land economy, planning, <laughs> and, and those. So he told me, as long as I have passed, he has spoken to the head of planning department mm-hmm. to admit me. I was actually preparing to go when Legon, the resource also came out and they offered me to pursue a law program. So I called Bishop and told him that I would prefer to read the law. He didn't object. Okay. So I went to Legon. Uh, no, it was in two phases. You have the LLB, which is awarded at the end of the third year. Then you have the BL, that's Barrister at Law, which is offered by what we used to call the Makola Law School. But did you like law? Do you want to do law? At that stage, it was all guesswork. There were popular professions. But when I was offered, it was a prestige. If you didn't do well, you, they wouldn't offer you law. Law and administration, these were the, the two popular places for the arts. So, and uh, at, at uh, the law faculty, at the end of the first year, you will have to write an excerpt and they will then decide whether you should do the LLB or you should do BA law. LLB means most of the subjects you will be doing are law subjects. BA law, you have to take it, do a combination with another art subject. Mm. Fortunately, after the first uh, exam, I was one of the lucky ones to be chosen to do the LLB. So we kept going. It wasn't very easy. Some of us had only two trousers or so. <laughs> you, you wear one and wash the other. <laughs> when it's dry, you go and iron it and wash the other one. But there was this student loan scheme, which was very helpful. We used to buy books and travel home during holidays and whatnot because it will be much more expensive if you stayed back. Mm. So I had a number of good friends uh, at the university. But most of the time, particularly the first year, I spent my time in the law library. All the time? Yes. 
I, I, I did that and I have no regret that I did that. You know, you have to read a lot of decided cases. So I really spent time. So I was given the LLB, so I was happy. Second year was fine. Third year, yes, I got, uh, I, I was thinking I would get second class of copper. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make it, so I got the second class lower, um, which was quite good. A majority of the students are in the range of first. You know, we're not running the semester system. You accumulate everything and write the end of year exams. So you are not mm-hmm. lucky that exams, maybe that day you are not well, it's too bad for you. So you have to do it again. Yes. So when I finished doing the LLB, that one, they would choose you to go to the law school. You didn't need to write an exam to go to the Macaulay Law School. So I went. Well, it wasn't easy, but I managed to go through it. And, uh, you know, because I had gotten the first degree, I knew one Dagati man called Mr. Danyari who was working at prison's headquarters. We went to his house and he said, oh, if you want to do national service with the prison service, you can come and give me your particulars. That was on a Sunday. The Monday I went, I gave my particulars to him. And eventually, I was posted to prison's headquarters. And what year was this? That was 1980. But I had also registered to do the law program. Fortunately, at the law school, the exams, no, the classes were in the afternoons. So I could do uh, service and so attend the law school. It it only mean that you'll be tired, but you have to work harder. Mm. From there, I was after the national service. I think I did well because my bosses then were anxious to have me stay back in the prison service. I never dreamt of becoming a prison officer before then. But uh, because of that, they encouraged me to stay. But when I finish and I'm not happy with it, I can always resign. Mm -hmm. So I worked hard. I continued to work hard. Then part of the thing, because of the circumstances, at the end of the final year, there was one particularly very harsh lecturer at the law uh, school called Mr. Aid. When he says an exam, he will make up his mind, at least half of the class must fail. <laughs> if you go back to write the referral, at least half of the people, okay. yeah, because of my circumstances, working and going there, I had a referred paper. And unfortunately for me, 
these people had asked me to go to the military academy for my initial training. So I could not prepare to go back and write the, the referred paper. So I had to wait until I finished the military training, and that means another year before I, I wrote it and I passed. So I was not called to the bar in our group. You know, all others were also coming from abroad and whatnot. So I think the day we were called to the bar, we were now up to 10. So, but we had all the documentation. Then I was also then a full prison officer. Yeah, I can brag that I used to work very hard and my bosses liked me. And uh, when I finished, I was then, I was initially posted to the prison officer training school. And uh, I remember when we were students, we used to go to Rabito Clinic. One of my friends was directly related to Dr. Dele. Mm-hmm. I used to see a certain lady there. After that, I wasn't seeing the lady again. And I, and I don't know her name. <laughs> so, <laughs> at, uh, I was then the personal assistant to the director of prisons, the prison was. And Professor Dele had come to see him. Uh, my boss, and he came with the lady I've been asking for. So she sat in my office before you enter the. the uh, oh, yeah, forget the door. So I said, "Aha, that is the lady I used to see there." So we started chatting. I took her telephone number and what not. Not knowing that home number was number. Office number office number that that lady was to be your mother later <laughs> okay at the beginning we didn't really court for long uh, and she too I know even though I know she was from the Nando area she was born and bred in Kumasi so she wasn't very familiar with the Nandok area. So at Christmas time, I said, oh, we should go home mm-hmm. together. But I was, we had a mess at the training school. So anytime she closes, she will pass there. I would sit in the car. That was our courting place. <laughs> <laughs> so we went on. As if it was ordained, I can assure you, we even never went to a disco or something together. Well, on return from home, which was then around Easter, so maybe just about three months, four months. No, we went home for Christmas, and when we came back around Easter, we started preparing for a wedding. Yes. Uh, 
Mr. Dilly played a role in that he took me to Amoto Fix House where your mother was staying and introduced me to Amoto Fix, Auntie Elizabeth and Co. And well, they didn't reject me. That's how it started. So, back to my career. Because in prison service, not too many people wanted to work there, particularly people who have gone to the university and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So most of the people there were elderly people and were going on retirement. And as long as you are in the queue, when somebody goes on retirement and there's a vacancy, they cannot jump over you because you are much younger. Mm-hmm. So I rose up... Uh, quite uh, rapidly in the prison service. I took advantage of many courses offered. But most of those people, they were not even too happy with me because that you, instead of looking for money, you are acquiring knowledge. <laughs> so I, I went through it like that. Um, I was quite strict at my uh, workplace. Uh, pulling from my background, the way my father, you know, the Catholics and everything, we were taught to do the right thing. And that was a major challenge to me, how to adjust myself to cope with people who are played the way they want and not accordance in accordance with the rules. So it wasn't very easy for me in my career. But because I worked hard and I also equipped myself with knowledge, um, I stayed on one rank. You know, at one time I was the commandant of the training school. But uh, when I was promoted deputy director, I was a chief superintendent when I was appointed commandant of the training school. But whilst there, I was promoted to assistant director and then later on, deputy director, and I had to move to the headquarters. It was not easy uh, working with some people there mm-hmm. because our level of reasoning was different. Two or three of them were middle school leavers. Okay. They had gone through the mill in the whole system. It doesn't mean they were daft, but you know the level of appreciation was different. So it wasn't easy for me. And depending on looking at where I'm coming from, they'll say, ah, but this northerner too. You see, that kind of thing. I was a deputy director for nine years. Because there was no vacancy uh-huh. into which because the the government of the day then decided to be bringing military officers to come and head the prisons. We had Lieutenant Colonel Hini Asari, later on Colonel Uti Prempe, and later on uh, Brigadier Yangma, Alex Yangma. But you didn't want to do anything else, you wanted to stay there? By this time, it was too late for me to leave. Hmm. If I were leaving, I should have, it should have been much earlier. But 
if you are going through your work and you are getting promoted and you get a job satisfaction, there was no need leaving. The thing I missed, because then the rules were that you cannot practice if you are in government service. Mm. You could not practice, except if you are going to represent your organization. Mm -hmm. But every government organization too is represented by a representative of the attorney general. So that's the thing I have missed. And you know, it's a professional uh, uh, career that I had as a lawyer. I couldn't, with time, then you begin to lose it. Mm -hmm. You know, and every day new laws are being uh, promulgated, or there, there are the rules are being changed mm -hmm. here and there. So, unless you are practicing, you cannot be abreast. So, uh, in uh, 2000, I think it was in August or September. I heard I was uh, appointed acting director of prisons. Then I went. After that, the government lost, that is, the Jerry Rawlings government, they lost the elections. So there was to be a change on the 7th of January, 2001. Jerry Rawlings decided to confirm me, to confirm me as the Director General, one week to leaving office. It means he had already lost, the NDC had lost the elections. Okay and MPP were to take over. Yet, one week to hand it over, I was confirmed. Mm -hmm. That brought a lot of problems for me. Because the MPP would have liked to appoint their own. But what reasons would they give throwing me out? Mm -hmm. Because I had just been a, uh, the man on the spot just one week. Mm -hmm. So even if you scrape through the files, you cannot find fault. But they were also asking, but why did Jerry Rollins do that? One week. So it was not easy for me. I had to use my wits to try to fit into the system. So my decision was this. Forget about looking at it politically but just do the work as it should be done. Do the professional work. And that was a decision which helped me. Because my then minister, Alaji Malik, said yes, they had earlier on taken a decision. All those of us who were appointed by the Gerolese government should be removed. They cannot sack you. But they will remove you. They will say, sit at home. You get your salary. But, but, don't do it. Uh -huh. but after having worked with me for some time, he confessed to me that 
I had the foresight. I was doing the work the way they wanted. So they left me. But I had a number of friends in the UK. What's his name? Uh, uh, who was one time the director? This man, Andrew Coyne. When I was appointed, the then director of the British Prison Service sponsored me to the UK to work in his office for is it one week, one and a half weeks, as some kind of orientation. Mm. So when I met Andrew Coyle, who was a professor in prison studies, I told him I'll be lucky to last more than three years. And when I was removed, and I told him, he said, you saw it. Yeah, but how many years were you before? Uh, almost three years. Very, yeah, almost three years. But I wasn't fired. There was a new minister who had made up his mind. And to me, I think he's a tribalist. He had made up his mind even before taking up the position. So he decided to remove me that I should be an advisor to the minister for interior. So people started asking the question. He was already working with the Ministry of Interior, mm -hmm. so he cannot advise you where he is. But he moved me, appointed somebody, mm -hmm. and I was to be at the Ministry of Interior mm -hmm. with nothing on my table. I used to read the newspaper from cover to cover. <laughs> I was lucky somebody I met at one of the international conferences. Uh, they asked me to represent Africa at a conference in uh, Ireland. It was just made up of eight people one from each continent. So I was representing Africa. During the conference, this lady, Australian or New Zealand lady, asked, she was then working with the UN. She asked me whether I would not want to take an appointment with the UN because a new position was coming up in Sudan. Well, I, I pretended I was lucky. He said, look, can you give me some time to think about it? Mm -hmm. So on return to Ghana, she wrote to me and I said, yes, I will. So it looked like they had already taken a decision because some people also thought at that time that my removal from the prison headquarters was politically motivated and not, had nothing to do with my professional conduct. So they were all anxious to get, fit me back into this. So I eventually showed up at uh, Khartoum, uh, Sudan, very difficult environment because the government of the day did not accept the presence of the UN in, in their country. 
So it was very difficult. I know be a strictly Muslim country. A strictly Muslim country. That also created problems. But since I wasn't the only one, we, we struggled until one day, my boss, the one who helped recruit me, sent me a mail that she was leaving the UN headquarters and she thought I should come and take over from her. So, how long were you in Sudan for? Huh? How long were you in Sudan for? Uh, three and a half years. So, I was subjected to a very strict interview, uh, video conferencing, panel of five, an interview which was supposed to last 45 minutes, lasted about two hours. The reason being, I think one of the big shots at the UN headquarters wanted some particular person. Uh So they wanted to prove to him that if I'm the one they are choosing, then I had all that it took and that person did not have. So eventually I was offered a position in New York. So I came home and prepared and left. But then you and Johnny, you were already in the States. Mm-hmm. So we had to do the documentation for Mama and Lady to eventually join me in New York. So that's how I got to New York. It was an exciting job because I had the opportunity to travel around the world. And most of the time you are traveling on business ticket. Yeah. You stay in a five-star hotel and getting to know so many people and, and different situations. It was an exciting job until they were opening a new position in Italy, Brindisi. It's part of the headquarters, but based in Brindisi. Uh, I was posted there. The role was to prepare for the prison's component of a peacekeeping mission if a new mission is being established. I didn't last there. Almost what? Just close to one year, not even one year. Why didn't like it all? Because, no, we had gone to South Sudan to prepare for a new peacekeeping mission. Uh-huh. So my recommendations for the prison's component New York decided that then I should go back. I should go to South Sudan to implement it. So I had to leave Italy. Mama had to return home. And I went to South Sudan, Cuba. I was there for three and a half years. And I decided that I was tired. And I would come home. I had not retired officially from the Ghana prison service because I wasn't 60 yet because I was I was away on leave of absence so when I came home things were okay Uh, the UN I had to take uh, what they call it uh, early retirement and whatnot so that has been my career 
uh, and I decided after some time, but there was pressure from Nando, some of the young people, that uh, MP had not performed well and we were going to lose the seat. So they wanted me to come. Yes, I won't say it was a mistake, but it had been quite difficult. Um, you know, you meet a hostile environment. Uh, some people think they should be there. So I went through, you have to go through the primaries. And uh, I was more or less an outsider, not resident there. Mm. Uh, some people ganged up to make sure that I don't win the primaries. Unfortunately for them, I still won the primaries. So the bitterness was still there. They again ganged up, teaming up with our opponents in what is now popularly called skirt and blouse. They will vote for Mahama and vote against me. And that is why, one of the reasons why I lost the elections. One was also, you know, it involves a lot of money mm-hmm. and other resources which I didn't have. So to be quite frank, I virtually spent my UN money. So the the bottom line is that I lost that election. But surprisingly, our people, when they came to select somebody for this time, they said they didn't have any credible person. Well, whether that's true or not, it's a different thing. But I was returned on opposed, so that in my constituency, we didn't have to conduct the primaries. And that is where I am now, struggling. It's not easy. Uh, the same conditions apply. Our people, you know, most of them are not businessmen. They are public officers. And the present government is very, very vindictive. If you are seen openly supporting the other government, the NDC, they will either transfer to a place you, you will never dream that you would be there. And to just inconvenience you and incapacitate you to, to help. So most of them are afraid. And since we don't have businessmen to help, and thirdly, ours is, we are in opposition. So it's difficult to get the resources. Nobody expected the NDC to lose the last elections. Well, but internal wranglings and other things caused the government to lose. So the current government is anxious to make sure that NPC doesn't come. But from our perspective, they too have not performed and the people are not happy out there. But they are trying to use all means to retain power. But that is now more political than my history. So that is 
where I am at the moment. Do you have? Okay. That's all. Yeah.